It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap Giants podcast here, our weekly recap and look ahead at all things Giants. Uh, Daryl Slater here with Bob Brookover, of course, with NJ.com, the Star Ledger, and NJ Advanced Media. Uh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Tuesday here as we're sitting and chatting about the Giants win over the Panthers and looking ahead to next Monday night against the Cowboys. And, you know, as usual, a reminder, just be sure to like, subscribe, give us a review on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And, you know, 30,000 foot view of this thing here, the Giants 2-0. and So very surprising. Obviously, they haven't beaten a juggernaut yet in the Titans and the Panthers, but 2-0 and and it was supposed to be a rebuilding season. They're certainly not going to apologize for any wins. There are six 2-0 teams in the NFL, and they're one of them. Chiefs, Eagles, Dolphins, Bucks, Bills, and your Giants. So, look, I mean, they this team hadn't had a winning streak since 2020. They had not started 2-0 since 2016. They have not started 3-0 or better since since 2009. Uh so this fan base should enjoy every win. You know, as you look at the metrics of why they're 2-0, I mean, they're, PFF, for what it's worth, kind of doing it with a little bit of smoke and mirrors. They're still 31st overall in PFF. That'll shake out. I, you know, I wouldn't worry about that too much. But just in terms of the big picture of how this team is doing it and how they got to 2-0, um, another second-half comeback. Again, they're not coming back from down 20, but they were trailing in the second half for the second straight week. Came back to win, and Brian Dable summed it up afterwards by saying uh, this team was tough-minded, and, and that's you know, that's all you can ask for from a team that is, let's be honest, undermanned. So, Bob, uh, what do you make of the big picture of where these Giants are right now through two weeks? Well, you, you, as you just said, you can't you can't argue with two and zero. No, I mean we've I guess perhaps we found out a little bit more about the Titans, although the Bills might need to go to another league right now, as good as they are. Um, but you know, it, it doesn't appear as if the Titans are the same, uh, number one seed in the AFC that they were a year ago. And the, the Panthers are, are probably a team on par with the Giants in terms of, um, talent and, you know, but you know what the Giants two weeks in a row, as you said, have come back and made plays when they had to make plays. Uh, to me, the, the thing that was most impressive about, Sunday's win over the Panthers was they when they got the lead and Graham Gano's leg is remarkable, uh, especially at his age. He's still such a strong kicker. Um, but once they got that lead, he kicks the 56 yard field goal. Now they have to get two. they have to get a stop and they have to go on offense and run the clock out. I, I think I saw a tweet the other day from somebody, Bill Belichick, saying there's nothing better 
in the NFL than running the clock out on offense to win a game. Yeah. Um, and the Giants did both those things. The defense stepped up. Blitz Julian Love comes up with a huge sack. Um, big, big play there on defense to, to get them off the field. And then the offense, after struggling to run the ball most of the day, you know, Saquon and then Daniel, Daniel Jones makes a great play to really seal the game. Um, but, you know, they they took control of the game when they had to. I think good teams finish. I'm not, I'm not going to say the Giants are a really good team yet, but they're doing things in a league where I think I think 13 or uh, 19 of 30. So now last night, but both those games are blowouts. But 19 of 32 games uh, in the first two weeks were decided by seven points or less. If you can finish strong in this league, you got a chance. Uh, that doesn't mean you're going to be a Super Bowl contender, but you got a chance to win every week if you can finish strong. And the Giants have done that two weeks in a row. Yeah, and I wrote coming out of that Titans game about how this is a team that's had been on the bad end of so many close games uh, over the first uh, the past few years, and now the first two weeks they've won two close games. And as you said, those are going to be the typically the majority of games, or at least it feels like that. And statistically, that's if that's supported through two weeks. Those are going to be most of your games. So if you can close strong. Uh, now two weeks in a row here, they've kind of sputtered in the first half offensively, but if you can close strong and make plays when it matters, now Daniel Jones is a perfect example of that. Did he play a great game on Sunday? No. Has he played great through two weeks? No. But what did he, you alluded to it. What did he do in a big spot there on the third down last drive of the game, trying to milk the clock? He drops back. He stumbles a little bit in the pocket. If you watch the replay, he keeps his eyes downfield. No one's open, but then he looks toward the near the near vision of where he's at, right? Wide open hole, middle of the field. He takes off and runs. Not only does he take off and run, it gets the first down, smart, decisive. Obviously, we know he's athletic. But then he slides feet first, which not exposing himself to injury. And all Giants fans know, you know, how much uh, that's been a um, – and so Daniel Jones takes off and he hits that hole in the middle of the field and um, makes a big play and slides feet first. And so that seals the game. So that was a big moment in the game, obviously, for a guy who, uh, you know, has dealt with his share of adversity. So it'll be fascinating to see if they can carry this forward. The other the other great thing I thought Daniel Jones did and and and, and offense coordinator Mike Kafka, which I wrote about on Saquon a little bit, but Jones, you know, the, the momentum had entirely switched to the Panthers – Early in the third quarter, they scored the last six points of the first half. Uh, the Giants had gone three and out three straight times, counting the first drive of the second half. There's starting to be booze in the stadium, uh, which wasn't what Wink Martindale was asking for. Uh, so you start hearing some booze, and, you know, it's third and nine. Um, and Daniel Jones makes a great throw to Richie James over the middle. Uh Kafka calls another run, even though I think had six Barkley had six carries for one yard at that point. Barkley breaks out for 16 yards. Here go the Giants right down the field and, you know, answering a t- touchdown by the Panthers, make it 13-13. And really from that point on, it was it was more their game, a lot more their game than the than the Panthers. And again, big plays at big times, you know, it really looks like they're up against it. And they respond. Yeah, then that's what it's really about. I mean, the because this is a team that's not going to blow anybody out, and they are going to have to make 
big plays and big moments and in tight spots. That's the reality. They're going to be in a lot of tight spots. So you, you kind of alluded to Kafka a couple times there. I really like that play call on the Daniel Bellinger touchdown that tied the game. Uh, if you go back and watch it, Bellinger motions right to left. Uh, they play action. They swing a Barkley kind of out to the right to redirect the, the defense that way. And then Kafka also sends a couple receivers deep-ish, right? It's a 16-yard uh, line of scrimmage deep into the end zone on the left side to stretch the coverage. And there's Bellinger open in, in, I guess, you know, the short flat there area out to the left, wide open. And he makes a great play on a catch and run and dives for the end zone. But, you know, scheming to get your players that open in the, in the red zone. And remember, you know, that's been a nightmare area for this Giants offense in recent years. And so um, that was a big, big moment in the game and a nice job there by Mike Kafka. And um, as we talk about this offense, you know, obviously, uh, it's there are issues, you know, production wise. We we know that. I mean, they're they're last in PFF right now, offensively, and and probably deservedly so. Uh, Kenny Galladay, two snaps in that game. So not only has he not been productive really at all since he signed that monster contract, hasn't been productive this year, and didn't even play on. on you talk about Kadarius Tony seven snaps in the opener. Kenny Galladay two. Uh, what do you make of that? Uh, uh, you know, Brian Nabel is being true to his word in terms of we're competing um, and, you know, they're going to play the best, the, the players that they think give them the best chance to win a game. And it doesn't matter if you're the highest paid player on the team. If you signed a big contract two years ago, uh, rookie first round draft pick, um, it, it, it doesn't matter. Richie James uh, and if you had if you had this got this bet down in Vegas, congratulations on your retirement. <laughs> um, you know he's leading this team in receiving yards after two games. Um, you know there's nobody. If you're a defensive coordinator, I don't know who you say. Well, we're going to shut down this guy. And now I don't know that that that's necessarily a good thing for an offensive team because you do like to have that, like a basketball team, you like to have that go-to guy in crucial crucial situations. But, you know, the, the fact that Dable's willing to put whoever out there who thinks he gives the best chance to win, he, re- he referred to David Sills uh, in, his, in, in his day after press conference that, you know, we watch David Sills practice and we feel like and go through the preseason and we feel like he's earned time. Now, uh, again, another winning bet in Vegas uh, if, you, if you had that because, no, we, we didn't see that coming. But you know what? It, it does – uh, go to accountability from this regime and a culture that they are obviously building. You better come prepared to, to practice every day and to play every day because it, there's, you know, if this was a baseball team, there'd be no guarantee your name is on that lineup card when you walk in every day. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and, and I think, you know, he's, he's following through on, um, on what, what he said he was going to do. And you're right. I think that's important for a coach to be, uh, to, to deliver on what he said it is, is going to do. And, you know, tell, tell your players the truth. Um, I think that that's, that's, that's a valuable thing for a new coach to establish a culture. Uh, I thought, I thought, Julian Love, I thought Julian Love gave an interesting answer when he was asked about that too on Monday saying, you know, yeah, sometimes you do think that kind of stuff is lip service, but when it's out in front of you, you can't think that anymore. I was going to say, I don't know if the these players necessarily expected uh, that, but um, 
but that that's the way it's been. Certainly that's the way it's been that, that that's um, that they, that Brian Dable has delivered. Interesting thing about Galladay too, is uh, he wasn't in the locker room after the game and technically players are supposed to be there and speaking to reporters, everyone's supposed to be available after the game. That's the league rules. Ken, you know, Kadarius Tony wasn't in Nashville. Kenny Galladay wasn't after the week two game. What do you think he's going to be like in the locker room on Wednesday, presuming he's there? Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see because Tony has since then, since not being in the locker room in Nashville, said all the right things uh, and and got on the field uh, on Sunday a lot more. Um, So, you know, if if Galladay is smart, he'll take a cue from the young guy and say all the right things and possibly get back on the field uh, in, in week three against the Cowboys. Um, I can't see them just playing two plays again. I'd love to know exactly what's going through. Uh, shoot Brian Dable some truth serum and say, hey, well, what's going on with Kenny Galladay? What, what do you really think about him? But that's not going to happen. Um, but it will be fascinating because I'm sure we will be at Kenny Galladay's locker on Wednesday afternoon, and I can't wait to hear what he says. He's normally a pretty calm and cool guy. Um, he's been pressed a lot about his struggles and um, grilled, but he's he's pretty chill about it. You know, you see Kadarius Tony a little bit more fiery. You know, he gets a little more, more prickly when he faces hard questions. You know, younger guy, obviously. So um, I, I would expect Kenny Galladay to just kind of give a bunch of bland answers. But more, you know, more importantly, the big picture here. Uh, this guy got 18 million a year. I remember talking to Tiki Barber before that free agency period in 2021. So what do you think they're going to do? He's like, I think it would be a mistake for them to give 18 million a year to a receiver like Kenny Galladay. And they went out and did exactly that. Dave Gettleman did. And the contract has been an absolute disaster. I mean, it'd been a failure, like one of the biggest free agent busts in the NFL in recent memory. Um, and they're in a situation now where they can cut him after this year. He's got a $21.4 million cap hit next year. They would free up 6.7 of that, but they still have to eat 14.7 in dead money. Uh, not great, but there's like no, to me, like there's no chance he's back with this team next year. Zero. Like at this point, considering how this coaching staff values or doesn't value him, um, considering it's a new general manager, I, there's no chance. I mean, this this guy is is, go, is good as gone, and let's just see how the rest of the year plays out for him um, and, and how he you know handles himself because it's pretty clear um, that even if he will be a little bit of a part of this offense or somewhat of a part, he's hundred percent not <laughs> worth the money and, uh, you know, nothing against him personally, but obviously a terrible contract and, uh, you will not see, I will say this, you will not see Joe Shane do things like this going forward in terms of these monster contracts to a single player, they're going to take a volume approach and they have to, uh, would, would you agree on, with that? I mean, that, 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 that this is not the type of move that they'll be making a lot, if at all, going forward. Yes, I definitely agree with that. Uh, the, the one thing I, I might say, though, is, and this is comes from a conversation I had with a former Eagles and Browns president, Joe Banner, before the season started. If he's not part of your team, you know, it, it kind of goes back to the Blake Martinez thing. If he's not part of your team going forward in, in year two and year three of of what you're trying to accomplish here, What's the point of having him here? You know, what? why not just release him now? Eat, eat the money. Who cares? Uh, it doesn't matter. Let's keep looking at these young guys. Uh, let's get Tony Kadarius Tony on the field. Whatever snaps you thought Kenny Galladay was going to play, let Kadarius Tony play 
play those plays. I know he's been in the doghouse a little bit, but you know what? He's he's a, a talent. You know, he's a first round talent. So let's see if that first town round talent really flourishes when really given a shot. I'd rather see that than Kenny Galladay being on a roster and playing five to ten plays a game. Well, there's a couple things to that. I think they would trade him if they could, but no one's trading for him. Right. Number one, because no one, no one wants to eat his salary. I guess they could trade him for essentially nothing and eat some of his salary, but there, there's a couple issues here. I mean, this is a team that doesn't have a lot of uh, doesn't have a lot of cap space. So just setting aside the trade, right? Like presuming nobody wants to trade for him because not only is the salary bloated, the Giants would have to eat some. Like he's obviously not very good. If they did cut him, um, you know, they would actually have to eat more dead money than his cap number currently is. So they'd have to eat 25-4 in dead money. And, uh, you know, his cap number is 21-1. So just from a – I mean, it's such a bad contract that j- they can't even afford to cut him. They, don't, they do not even have the salary cap space to cut him. I mean, they probably do, but it would eat up a lot of cap space. So right. this is a situation where this is a guy who's probably going to be um, – Perhaps, perhaps uh, he, he, you know, let's be, he played quite a bit in the opener. He did. So um, this is a situation where you might see his role certainly minimized um, throughout the year. Um, and then they just move on from him. So what do they call it? Quiet quitting <laughs> in the pandemic. It's quiet cutting, you know, he'll be on the roster, but uh, he won't be involved. So, uh, I mean, gee, you know, now that we're talking, Something that maybe I guess you could say didn't go right with Galladay, um, but maybe fans are happy he's not playing. Let's let's shift to something that didn't go right defensively for the Giants. Uh, something that was outside of their control on on Sunday and Leonard Williams hurting his knee. And I saw you know, when you looked at the replay, man, that did not look good at first. No, it did not look good at all. Um, you know, it, it wasn't just that. It, it's the thing you always take to see any player on the field happened to them. He got rolled up blindsided from the blind side. And that, I don't know how many uh, torn ACLs I've seen on that similar type of play uh, over the course of covering the NFL. Uh, so that's always the, the greatest fear, um, you know, so it's such a big loss for the giants because they, they have, they have played pretty well up front. Uh, you know, they did a terrific job against Derrick Henry in week one, uh, bottling him up. And for the most part, you know, McCaffrey had some some big plays, but they did a pretty good job on him too. And, you know, overall the defense played a pretty good game. And that guy's a leader of that defense. So it, it would be huge to, to not have him for a while. And I think even though, you know, Brian Dable said, hey, he's day-to-day, you know, which – is his way of saying, I guess it's it's not a long term injury, but you know, it was similar to what he said to Kayvon Thibodeau, Wondell Robinson, and we still don't know when either one of those guys are going to be back. So we don't know how long they're going to be without Leonard Williams. Yeah, his, his him saying day to day is stop asking me about injuries. <laughs> it's a translation. Stop asking me this question. I'm not going to answer it. That's the and. Uh, well, I mean, day to day, it's just such a BS line, but w- whatever. Um, I will say that, you know, the report, a report came out from the NFL network last night that it's a sprained MCL for Leonard Williams, obviously uh, not, a, not a torn ACL. So his season is not over uh, a sprained MCL, obviously better than a torn ACL. Um, but just for the sake of context here, let, you know, let's remember that 
uh, Kayvon Thibodeau sprained his MCL in the preseason against the Bengals. We're sitting here talking on September the 20th, and that injury happened uh, on August the 21st, and Kayvon Thibodeau has yet to fully participate in the practice. We'll see what happens tomorrow uh, on Wednesday when the Giants are back out on the practice field. But this is you know, it, it can be a month-long injury. We'll see if that's the case for Leonard Williams, which would mean uh, at least three games out. Um, we, we don't know necessarily what Wandale Robinson has. It's a knee injury, not season-ending, so it's obviously some kind of sprain. Um, so this could sideline you know, Leonard Williams for a month, could sideline Wandale Robinson, who got hurt in week one for a month. Who knows? All these injuries are different. Everybody's different. But um, certainly – I would not expect Leonard Williams to play against the Cowboys. And and that would bring to an end a remarkable stretch of durability. He has never missed a game in his entire career, and D-linemen tend to get very banged up. He, he entered the NFL in 2015 with the Jets. Uh, and so just a pretty remarkable stretch of durability, and they, they could use him especially against the run. He's a pretty good – He's a, he's a pretty good pass rusher at times, but a very good run stopper. Um, so we'll see how that manifests itself against Ezekiel Elliott this week with the Cowboys. Um, but, yeah, they dodge a little bit of a bullet, but just because Brian Dable says day-to-day, folks, if you hear him say that, just don't just ignore it. It means nothing. Um, so when you see sprained MCL, that's going to be a couple weeks. You know, I doubt they'll have him. You know, I would think he misses at least, at least two games. So, um, But on the positive side for this Wink Martindale defense, um, what do you make of how he's using uh, the pieces on this defense and changing things from week to week? Uh, they basically played a ton of dime in that game uh, with Dane Belton getting a lot of work. Uh, and, it, hey, they held they held Carolina to 16 points. You could say Baker Mayfield stinks, whatever. They held the team to 16 points. So uh, what do you make of Wink Martindale's job so far? Uh, you know, he's he's – the defense, and this is a direct reflection on Wink Martindale, has been a huge reason this team is two and zero. They've held, they've held, what did they have the twenty? They held the Titans to twenty. This team to sixteen. You you keep the numbers in that area uh, in the NFL, and you're going to win a lot of games. I mean, I can go, I can go back to my early years covering the NFL, and Jim Johnson, who was a great defense coordinator for the Eagles, his magic number was always seventeen. So. The Giants have been right in that area for for two games, um, and you mentioned Dane Belton. He got on the field for the first time. Uh, he's one of those hybrid safety linebacker types, and he really showed that. Uh, he showed some toughness, uh, you know, in, in grading your rookies into, into, on the website today. You know, you talked about what a good game he had. Could anybody have a greater start to a career? Your first NFL player cover a fumble on a kickoff. Uh, but he's obviously a guy they're they're going to uh, lean on, and he's a, he's a, you know I won't, don't want to say the future of the NFL because it's it's teams have been doing this for a while. But if you got a guy that can that can cover a little bit and play tough against the run, you got a you got a valuable player there, and it looks like Belton's going to be that type of player. But you know you know we haven't even mentioned that they've won these first two games without their two best outside pass rushers. I mean we. Remains to be seen how good Kayvon Thibodeau is, but that's why he was brought here. Uh, you know, Aziz Ojolari led the team last year in sacks. We haven't even seen them yet. You know, you, you got to give a ton of credit to O'Shane and Jihad Ward for what they've done in the filling roles in these first two games. Um, you know, he's mixed and matched parts tremendously in these first few games. Now he's going to have to do it at defensive tackle. Um, you know, with, with Justin Ellis and Nick Williams, you know, th- those guys are, 
are good backups, but now they're, they're going to have more of a role than ever. Uh, you know, maybe the one thing we're learning about the Giants, even as they're rebuilding, is they have a little bit more depth than we thought they did. You know, and, that, and if that's the case, that's a good thing in the NFL. Very good. And just to kind of putting a bow on the Dane Belton point there, I mean, he played 46 of 58 snaps. And uh, this is a guy who played that cash role. They called it uh, at Iowa linebacker safety hybrid. And so it was sort of like Kenny cover, right? That's sort of the, the thing with a guy like that. You know, he's played in the box a lot. But if you look at his snaps, PFF tracks this, um, you know, 46 and 58, he played, obviously. They, they, they basically didn't play Austin Calitro, so they played one inside linebacker the whole game. Calitro got five snaps. And um, with Belton, I mean, he, he, he played most of those 46 snaps as a true safety, 39 snaps. And so he got 35 coverage snaps out of his 46. So he was in coverage quite a bit, and he graded pretty good. Um, targeted once, didn't give up a catch, had like a grade in the low sixties by PFF. And, um, so that's encouraging. I mean, he's a smart kid and they, the other safeties in that room are really impressed by him. I hadn't really ever talked to him until the last week and just a really sharp kid who, who stayed very plugged in when he was out actually wrote, you know, they hadn't had him write scouting reports or preseason games. And, uh, he, he straight up said like, I'm a smart player. Like <laughs> that's my, that's my, that's my advantage. So, um, It'll be interesting to see the role he has going forward as the number three safety. Obviously, they're not going to bench Xavier McKinney and probably not benching Julian Love. Now, Belton could replace Love next year because Love's a pending free agent. Um, but we'll you know we'll see about that. And one thing you and I were talking about before we got on and recorded here, and the Belton thing kind of ties in, uh, just the amount of young guys they've relied on. You, you know, we can go like real quick one by one on these guys. Um, we'll start with Evan Nee. I mean, we'll – Set the injured guys aside, the guys who didn't play against the Panthers. Um, but Evan Neal, what have you thought of him so far? You know, he's he's been fine. It's hard, you know, it's really hard to watch an interior lineman uh, play. But you know, I read your story today, and PFF grades him out pretty well. Uh, you know, for the for the first two games, um, I and I haven't really had a chance to go back and watch either game yet. But uh, you know. There's nothing. I guess you you can always say this about offensive linemen. Uh, they're they're much like officials. If you don't notice them, it means they're probably doing their, their job. And you know we haven't noticed Evan Neal getting beaten or you know beat up. And hey, you know there's his his run grades were down this week, as you wrote your story today. But everybody's run grades, I think, were down. And, you know, John Feliciano talked about that after the game, that the Panthers came out in a 3-4. Really, it wasn't a look that the offensive line was anticipating. Uh, It took them pretty much more than a half to adjust to that. But when they did, they they finally were able to start to to run the ball. So, I mean, um, that's one of those things you – as a offensive lineman, you got to get used to because in this league, you know, this is your job and teams can are capable defenses are capable of saying, Hey, we ran this, this, this last week, we don't have to run that this week. And it can get confusing for, especially for young offensive linemen. Uh, but you know, he's done fine. He's done good. Yeah, I think he's been fine enough. I mean, the run blocking stuff could improve. The Giants PFF has him very early, obviously, the worst run blocking team in the NFL right now. And um, he, he was 
he, he's only allowed one sack, right? So that's the bottom line. You, you, you're not necess- You haven't seen the disastrous start from him that you saw from Andrew Thomas as a rookie. So the the, the other the other lineman, the other rookie, they're starting in the line at left guard, not starting but playing quite a bit. Joshua Zudu, uh, not great. Like let's be honest. I mean, he his snap count was down. He got 17 snaps this week compared to 28 last week. It was more of an even split in week one. Ben Bredesen got to 56 this week. So, I mean, it, to me, it looks like they're kind of tilting this in a situation where it's going to be Bredesen's job going forward. Two penalties for Azudu this week and just tw- in 17 snaps. Not great. It's going to be a learning curve, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go back to you. You don't want to. You don't want to be noticed as an offensive lineman unless you're really making a great block on a pole or open field. And and Zidu got was noticed particularly for the penalties, but there was also a few times where I mean, it was without even go back and look at the film. You said, "Oh, he just got beat bad on that play." Uh, yeah, he, he had yeah. he had a rough day. He had a very rough day. Um, hey, and he's not the first young offensive lineman to have a rough day. Who knows? whether he gets better. Uh, Bredesen definitely had a better day than him. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's part of this league is you, as a young guy, you got to get better. And it, it will be interesting to see against the Cowboys because the Cowboys can bring a pass rush. Um, what, what, what uh, Dable decides to do this week at that position, because I, I think, I think anyway, I think it's a better situation when you can commit to one guy. No doubt, and, and Jeffrey Simmons uh, just abused Azudu in Week One, and you you don't want to put your quarterback in a position where you're getting that much interior pressure. So uh, don't be surprised if you don't even see Azudu much at all against the Cowboys on Monday night. All things considered, his past performance, and then like you said, what the Cowboys deliver. If, and stay sticking with round three rookies, Azudu is one of them. Cordell Flott, another, and really just fascinating. Another very look. This is a really tough spot for this kid. He. Uh, yes, he has versatility and he can play outside, but they view him as their backup slot. He didn't play but two special team snaps in week one. And here he goes having to start on the outside for Aaron Robinson uh, in, in week two. And it didn't – they went after him, the Panthers did, right? And he got benched for Fabian Moreau. Um, probably not the end of the world. Not the first corner to get burned as a rookie in his first start. Yeah, and, you know, before that the touchdown series, he gave up a long – a long throw to DJ Moore and then the touchdown to DJ Moore. Uh, you know, just to the naked eye, I thought he was playing okay before that point. On the touchdown, he, he came out of his cut and slipped, and that allowed Moore to get open in the corner of the end zone. Um, but I didn't think he played awful other than that series. Uh, I thought he had some good moments b- besides that uh, where he was, you know, he was in, in, in had pretty good coverage. Um as you just said, it's a brutal situation to, to be put in your first NFL. To me, other than quarterback, cornerback is the hardest position on the field uh, by far. Yeah. Uh, and you can quickly lose confidence uh, in this league because, as Xavier McKinney said, we, we, we all give up touchdowns. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the greatest cornerback ever. You give up touchdowns. And those guys have to have that mentality. It'll it, again. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Wink Martindale goes, what he does this week against the Cowboys. Um, you know, will, will he go with more with Moreau? I I would doubt that Aaron Robinson is going to be back, but 
I don't know. I've never had my appendix out. I don't know how he's feeling. I was I was surprised he was back in the locker room the day after he had it out. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, hey, I'm not going to give give too much uh, grief to, to um, Cordell Flott for his first performance in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and I would expect that Aaron Robinson would not play this week because – you still have to get used to getting hit in the midsection where there's no pads and you had, you just had that, you know, had this surgery there. So that's a tough spot for him. He probably feels like, look, I feel fine, but you know, you got an open halfway open wound or whatever you would say there. Moreau, 77 career games, 34 starts. The gap between him experience wise and flawed is just enormous. Uh, I would, you know, I would not be surprised if Moreau starts against the Cowboys. We talked about one of the Giants' round four picks, that being Dane Belton, the other one, Daniel Bellinger, uh, just the one uh, target there, and the, and it was the touchdown. And I, I will say, we we everyone sees that, right? So um, to me, the more interesting thing is the run blocking, uh, a little bit down, but uh, still pretty good. I mean, he's, he, he's 68-7 grade, 68 grade in week one, PFF-wise run blocking, not as great this week, uh, still 54, but they're increasing his workload. I mean, he got 42 snaps compared to 29 in week one. Now they did play more snaps, but he, you know, he got a larger percentage. Um, it, it looks like they're kind of incorporating him to the point where they can trust him. And, and that diving play into the end zone is, is one of those trust moments. Wouldn't you say? Oh, it is. It's, I'm just, I'm fascinated that, that, uh, Daniel Jones has three touchdown passes and two of them are to, to his tight ends uh, who have com- combined for two catches, uh, you know, but Bellinger, it, he's, he's their guy at that position. Uh, he, although Tanner Hudson got involved a little bit in the offense this, this week too. Uh, I think we all felt going into the season that the tight end was a real weakness for this team, but they've, they've, they've had their moments at that position. Um, you know, this season is about rookies, which is why we're going over this thing. And they need a presence at tight end. It's such a valuable thing to have in the NFL. Um, we'll, we'll see what Bellinger can do going forward. But, hey, anytime you can you can bring in a touchdown catch, it has to be good for his confidence. For sure. And the other three rookies, Micah McFadden, DJ Davidson, Tomon Fox, limited work. That's probably going to be the case all year. Fox is an interesting player, but you know we don't need to get too much into him. Uh, I because I will say the more the mo- perhaps the more most interesting thing about this group of rookies is who didn't play and will they get will they get Wandale Robinson back this week? Short answer: I don't think so. Um, you know, one game missed for a sprain for a sprained knee. It's probably going to be more than one. Uh, the big one, of course, Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, it's been a month. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying this like, where are you? It's been a month, right? Like, uh, yeah, his body's got to heal, but it's been a month. He's working his way back. He's expressed confidence that he could play. He was limited all three days in practice this week. Uh, it's getting the, you know w- the big days for him is going to be. They have an extra day this week because of the Monday game, but the big day for him will be Thursday and Friday of this week. Um, can he full, fully participate in practice? We'll see, right? I mean, I, I can't wait to see this guy play. I'm sure you're you're looking forward to it as well. Just he, he's a fascinating presence for this defense. Well, uh, you know, I've, I've most of my life I've spent watching the Giants very much from the outside, looking in. But the the one thing I do know about the Giants' history um, is their great teams had great pass rushers, 
And that's why Kayvon Thibodeau was brought in here to be a great pass rusher. You know, you, you know, when you take a guy fifth overall, you're expecting, you know, not just great things, superstar things. That's, that's what you hope to get it with the fifth overall pick. Um, I'm a little skeptical that we're going to see him in week three because, I mean, there was just a moment last week in practice that I watched when it was open to, to the media where he, you know, they were doing individual drills. He ran one, one little sprint type thing with the individual drills and walked off all the way to the, to another field to talk to the trainer and then got on a bike. You know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it just didn't look good when he did that. You know, the, the rest of it, I didn't, I didn't get to see what he did on Friday uh, you were at practice on Friday. I don't know. Maybe he did more. Maybe you saw him do more in the individual drills. But I'm a little skeptical that he's going to be back this week. Yeah, and he hasn't even been listed as questionable yet. He was doubtful there in week two. And it's just such a bummer for him. Um, they they really would love to see him. And he just, uh, you know, we'd, we'd love, it'd be nice to see the guy out there. And uh, But, but he'll, he'll be out there eventually. And um, if it's not this week, um, maybe the next week against the Bears. Um, so as we look ahead here to the Giants-Cowboys game Monday night at MetLife Stadium, uh, let's go ahead and just wrap this up with a quick pick. Uh, I will uh, – I have picked the Giants to lose every game this – all every – all two games this season. Um, and uh, I, I won't – I will not pick against them here. And I'm going to write this down so I actually – submit this correctly in our picks. Uh, it will be another low scoring victory for the Giants. I'll go 21 again, and I'll just say nice, neat 21-17. You talked about the 17 number um, <laughs> earlier. Uh, they're actually averaging 18 points a game allowed. So they're right there uh, right now defensively. But I'll say Giants 21, Cowboys 17 with Cooper Rush looking like what we think Cooper Rush would normally look like. See, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for the first time. Well, not the first time because I picked the the Titans to beat him, but I think the Cowboys are actually gonna win this game because I think the Cowboys have something two two things that the Giants really haven't seen yet, which is a is a pass rush. I know the Bengals have their problems protecting Joe Burrow, but they got to him six times on Sunday. Um, I think that's that's going to be a, a problem for the Giants, and I also think that the the Cowboys, unlike the first two teams the Giants played, have a, a one-two punch in their backfield with Ezekiel Elliott and, and Tony Pollard. And I think that's going to be difficult for the Giants to contain, especially if Leonard Williams is not playing. And I'm going to pick the Giants, I mean the Cowboys, 24-20. to there we go. And we, we didn't even mention the Cooper Rush revenge factor, which probably subliminally perhaps played into your pick there. It was briefly with the Giants in 2020. Oh, he, he's about, you know, he's definitely an ex Giants quarterback right there. So when you think of ex Giants quarterbacks in revenge games, that Cooper Rush is at the top of the list, obviously. So um, with that, we'll wrap up. Uh, enjoy your week, everybody. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave us a review on all your favorite. Uh, podcasting platforms. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.